Hi, my name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Molly Keck. And we are with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology. And this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. Welcome back to Bugs by the Yard. Today we're talking about a, I think what a very interesting pest, not a pest actually, a very interesting insect that if you spend any time outside, you're probably coming across them. And that's the spittle bug. The most common species I think that we have here in Texas that most of y'all are seeing is the two-line spittle bug. And spittle bugs are more noticeable when they're in the their little nymphal form or their baby form. As adults, I have only really seen pictures of them. I think I've seen one in the wild before, but you don't see many of them as adults. You just notice them as immatures, but these guys are, or if um, you do, you have no idea what they are. Yeah. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yes. They're in a group of insects. They're probably really closely related to cicadas. Um, They're a type of leaf hopper. So they're also related to psyllids and mealybugs and aphids and what are some other ones that people would know? The one that causes the... Oh, the sharpshooters. Sharpshooters. There you go. That can transmit a lot of diseases. But I think these guys are very broad spread in what they feed on. I think in some areas they can be a pest, but for most of us, they're just kind of an interesting thing. So they have a an incomplete life cycle. Mom lays eggs on a host plant. The egg hatches and it becomes a nymph. And then it will eventually turn into an adult, but the nymph is what's so fascinating because one of their defense mechanisms or their only defense mechanism is to produce spit or this foamy stuff that if you've ever touched it, it's kind of slimy too. Like it looks like someone hawked a loogie on a plant, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's kind of, when I was little, I always thought that that's what it was like. Why are people spitting (laughs) on the plants? That's so disgusting. (laughs) There's tons of them out right now. I see them on wildflowers and weeds and they're all over my rosemary. I don't know if it's just because there's a lot that stayed green. And so they're always on that. And I've always tried pull the flower from the root and put it in water and see if I can raise the spittle bug to become an adult, but whatever they're on never does want to be in a glass jar, you know, with water. I need to put like a little Cake, Cause the spittle bug is one of the bugs that the kids have to know for the 4-H contest, but it's one of the ones I don't have to show them. I just have pictures. So I want to put, I need to put like a cage over one of the, a plant that has spittle bugs and see if I can rear it out, I guess, and keep it trapped. I'll keep an eye out if I find any adults. Okay. Thank you. I caught one once, put it in my pocket, forgot about it and put it in the washer. Usually <laughs> is what happens. <laughs> But I guess we should talk about what they look like. So the, so the, the immatures are kind of a yellowish green color that I don't think they look very similar to the adults at all, but they're kind of a torpedo shaped, a fatter head, and then tapered at the tail end. Well, after mom lays eggs, she'll, the eggs get laid and they spend winter time over winter as eggs. And so when spring comes out, the little babies hatch and they find a food source and they stick to it and make that spittle all over their body. And they feed until they've molted a few times and then they become an adult. And the adult form is like a black 
a dark, dark brown, if not black colored wing with two orangey stripes across horizontal stripes, I guess, across the back on the wings. Yeah. And they're kind of red. Their head is kind of reddish in color. Their legs are a little bit red, at least the first set of legs is, but really what you notice is that brown and orange kind of brown, dark brown wings and those orange stripes. If you look close at them, they have red eyeballs. Yeah, they do. They're, they kind of look like, and they are related to chinch bugs. They kind of look like chinch bugs way up close, but they're more like, um, their wings are kind of held tent like. So they kind of look like little triangles, I guess, if you look at them face on. Yeah. I don't know what they eat as adults. Do you think they eat very much or they just mate, lay eggs and die off? I don't think that as adults, they're really considered to be a pest. It's the immature. Yeah. It's mostly the immature, which, I mean, they do have piercing sucking mouth parts so they can suck the plant juices out and all that good stuff. They have two generations a year, but I don't know if it's back to back in the spring, summer. That's what I kind of suspect though, because that's when you notice them is in the spring and in the summer months. And I mean, have you ever seen them in the fall? Maybe they do have a second generation in fall. I think it's usually, usually when I see it, like I've seen them now when I'm walking the dog and you are walking past the fields and there it's just, you look out and they're spit on everything. <laughs> it's so cool. It's the coolest thing. It's a I actually, cool- I was walking with a friend the other day and I said something about the spittle bugs and she's like, see the stuff that looks like spit on the plant. And she was just like, yeah. And I was like, that's created by an insect. And I went over and I, we, you know, digging through the, the spit to show her the insect and then, you know, I had her feel it and she's like, oh, that's kind of snotty. And I was like, yeah, it's really slimy and gross. It is. It's like meringue. Kids it's, will love it. Yes, they will. It's very much like a, like meringue or like, uh, if you've ever, if you've ever touched a cow slobber, it's like um, <gasps> sticky. Yes, like it's like that, you can't you know? get it. Like if you try to wash your hands with just water and no soap, it doesn't actually come off. Yeah. So there must be some substance in there that makes it sticky or I don't know what to call it. It's not really sticky, but it's also not totally, it's slimy, I guess. It's more just slimy. really slick. Yeah. Very slick. Very much so. I think from what I've been reading about them, they in some states, some states, and then some like agricultural systems, they can be a pretty significant pest though, like on certain types of turf grass. But it mm-hmm. was I, from what I was reading, it's species of turf grass that we don't really have in Texas. Like, I don't think we have centipede grass here. Do we? No, I don't think we use that. Not that I'm aware of. It may be on golf courses or something, but not, not in your, in your lawns. And Uh, then I think managing golf courses is a completely (laughs) different thing. Yes, it is. Managing your home lawn. (laughs) I think they also might get on some row crops, but I was trying to figure out what it was and I can't find those host plants anymore. I don't know. Or is it just turf grass? I guess they're mainly just a turf grass pest. So they also can get on some ornamentals, uh, some zoysia, oh. but they're not as common on zoysia. Apparently I'm reading as some asters, hollies, morning glory. So maybe it's things in, I forget what the family is of asters, but 
uh, that's a pretty big family of different types of, yeah. of species. So maybe what we see when we see them on wildflowers or weeds, it's in that is it Asteraceae is the family. Yeah. And you know, now that I think about it, the ones that I've been seeing in the field, they kind of have those, uh, feathery foliage looking things. Yeah. So that would make sense. Yeah. Cool. Okay. We, we all, we just learned something. <laughs> Woohoo! I learned my new thing for today. What I'm reading about the damage that they, that they actually do to those plants is it causes water deficiency symptoms. So they're just, I mean, they're, they have piercing sucking mouth parts. So they're piercing into those plants and sucking out the, the juices of the plant. And it causes the overall vigor of those plants don't look so hot. They just don't do so well. And I guess when you have huge numbers of them, then they, then the damage can be pretty significant, um, in some of those plants. But I think for most of us, it's just a a curiosity and kind of a fun thing to see. I want to talk about how they create the spit because while we call it spit, this is not coming from their mouth. People, these are actually excretions that are coming from the tip of their body. So when they sit on the plant, they actually sit with their head facing down and their little, you know, quote unquote, butt is sticking (laughs) up at the top in the air. And so when they're excreting this fluid, I guess they are also adding air to it and it makes it all frothy. And since their butt is in the air, then it then starts to slide down their body. And that is actually providing them with protection. And if you look at this, because I, I have researched this, I think it's absolutely fascinating. (laughs) Some spittle bug species can produce as many as 80 bubbles per minute. Wow. So that's more than one bubble per second. And they will move their abdomen up and down as the bubbles emerge. So it can kind of undulate its body and move those bubbles or spit down its back. And that way it it's covering its body. So the spit is actually a way that they use to protect themselves, not only from predators, because obviously you're not going to be able to see it. And then also, if you are smart enough to realize that there's an insect in there, they have to get into that foamy mass. And if you've ever tried to get into that foamy mass, you kind of got to dig to actually find where the insect is. So great protection from predators, but it also helps to protect it from environmental conditions. So it can insulate it from temperature changes. So if it gets really cold or really hot, it's protected in that little bubble of spit. And then it can also help it with the humidity in the area. So if you are in an area that has really low humidity, it can actually protect itself from drying out, which for pretty much any insect is really, really important because since they are so small, water loss can happen at a very rapid rate. And so they have to be very conscious of that desiccation and having modifications to make sure that that doesn't actually happen. That makes sense that they, it comes out their rear end, but they are upside down. So it's like gravity fed towards their head. You usually find them on the stem, but kind of very close to a a leaf. So that spit kind of 
builds up along that leaf also. So they're, they're always on the stem. I've never really seen them on a leaf. But yeah. I've only seen them on the stem too. And they're usually, yeah. Like you said, like in the, the V shape. So that kind of the crotch allows them more space, I guess. I don't know. Don't they call that kind of like the crotch of yeah. the plants, right? Yep. Yeah. And they produce way more spit than you think that they would like you, you're right. You have to dig in there to figure out where that baby is. Cause they produce a lot of spit for a tiny, tiny insect. In fact, you can mess with that spit quite a bit and then not even come up with a baby sometimes. Yes. <laughs> well, especially if you have like the, if you have the later instars, then you can find it because they're big, but some like those ones that have just hatched out of the egg and they're creating all that spit. They're TT tiny and they can be, since they're like that light yellowish green color, they blend in with the plant really, really well. So it can be really difficult. But if you have plants with these, like we said, it's really not that they're doing a whole lot of damage. You can just take a water hose and kind of spray that off of your plant because as we just said, that little spittle mass is protecting them from environmental conditions. And if you wash them off of the plant, then they're going to be exposed to those conditions and that can cause them to possibly die. Otherwise, you know, I don't know if control is ever absolutely necessary. No, I couldn't, at least in Texas with, when you don't have centipede, unless you're growing centipede grass or something, I don't think that there's any situation that I've ever come across where that's warranted at all. Yeah. I mean, I guess it just depends on what they're on. I don't know. I'm just, I I'm assuming that different species can get onto different plants like roses or berries or various other things. So that might, you might want to control them, but even then, I mean, they're tiny little bugs. I'm not going to worry about them too much. <laughs> I, I forgot that they're fro- they're a type of frog hopper, which yes. is a cool name because they will jump. Well, how many total species are there of little bugs? I would say North America has probably at least 30, maybe up to 50 ish species. So the two line spittle bug is probably is the most common in Texas. Do we have other species? And is that one maybe the most common one everywhere? It seems to be when I'm just Googling like different States. uh, I keep getting one called the meadow spittle bug. That seems to be very popular but that seems to be more prevalent in Midwestern states. So we just have the pretty one here. Let's just admire that we get the pretty one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I think that that's something we, we don't want to say that you have to control everything that is in your landscape, but we do want you to go out there and take a look around and appreciate these insects for not only their beauty, but also the adaptations that they've come up with to survive different conditions. I mean, the spit that these produce is just, is so fascinating. It's just, I love it so much. And it's, and it's, you know, really seasonal too. So, so I, it's, to me, it's like, oh, spring is sprung now. And when I start seeing it around, okay, now I'm going to start seeing wildflowers and things. It's just, there's lots of insects that I think are kind of our, our groundhogs. And they tell us that yes, the the, pulids, the the weather, yes. (laughs) They tell us the weather has changed or is changing. And it's just kind of exciting to see, I think. 
It just means it's time for shorts. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Enjoy the weather because it's soon going to be blazing hot. Yes. very, very soon. We had a very, very cool spring. So a lot of these insects were, I mean, we're almost in May as we're recording this. Um, and a lot of these insects normally come out for us, like at the end of March. So we're almost a, a month yeah. late in things. And I, I didn't realize until I really started thinking about it, that our spring was a very cool spring this year. So we're, yeah. we're going to see things overlapping this year that we normally don't. But we also had that blazing hot December, which was weird. We, we had, we did have, we had a typical Texas winter slash spring where things didn't happen the way it was supposed to. We, you can't ever, you know, when people want to predict what insects are going to be, like you mentioned in the last podcast, it's impossible because we can't predict our weather. Our weather is so variable and it changes the way that things want to develop. Yeah. I guess where it's really, really wet, they're a problem in lawns like Alabama is saying that and like North Carolina, just where they have maybe more less blazing hot sun, more shade. (laughs) We do not have that problem. Although we do have the like majorly wet flooding conditions. (laughs) Yeah, we, we, yeah. Random flooding conditions. Thank you for joining us this week on bugs by the yard and we will catch you next time.